everybody. How are you? Thanks for tuning in and welcome to Shaggin' Flies. We are back at you with a real-life live guest this week, as we were fortunate enough to be joined by our friend Sean Anderson, erstwhile Chicago sports radio producer and current host of the Locked on White Sox podcast. He was kind enough to spend a few hours with us just shooting the breeze about White Sox baseball and the allure of having too much baseball to ever be able to watch all of it. Uh, what else? He argued in favor of Captain Crunch Berries. We talked about times when rock stars accidentally write really, really, really messed up songs. Happens more often than you would like or hope. We uh, shared some radio stories, college, professional, otherwise. We did a bunch of rambling about baseball movies and uh, quite a few other things. So, Without further ado, I'll get you to him. Let's move it along and get going with episode 29 of Shaggin' Flies with Sean Anderson. What was that, maybe like 2015? It yeah. was 2015 because it was like two days after Derek had hit the buzzer beater against the Cavs. Right. right. So, uh, so and they were my both son... bank shots from like yeah. the far right wing or something like that. <laughs> So my oldest son, he was four. The youngest wasn't born yet. So I was sitting on the bed with my four-year-old. I'm watching this game, and Paul Pierce hits that shot, and I screamed. I was just like, oh, my God. And I made my son cry because <laughs> I scared him. I, he, I scared him so bad. And my Father wife came running here. upstairs, and she was like, what's wrong? What happened? And I was like, the Wizards won. Paul Pierce <laughs> It's a <laughs> It's a, it's a rare enough occasion. Yeah. Might be worth well, a good then, cry. Do, I don't know if you remember the, the next game or the, the final game of the series where Paul Pierce hit another buzzer beater, but like uh, 0.1 second too late. That uh, He hit a buzzer I beater in the corner, falling away. He makes a shot. It goes in to tie the game. And I'm like, oh, my God, freaking out. Then they review mm-hmm. it, and it was just after the buzzer, and the Wizards were eliminated. I was. I went from like the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. It was the worst. But anyways, Sean, (laughs) what's up, Ben? We don't do we don't do segues here. Sean, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us here on Shag and Flies. It is delightful to have you. Delightful to Um, be here. Thank you, and look at you with your nice looking professional mic. Cool. <laughs> my hundred dollar cool. Yeti mic, yeah, with my nice. with my uh, little Amazon windscreen right here, <laughs> lovely. The windscreen yeah, it, it makes it look. It always makes it look so. I don't know, like phallic? I don't want to say fancy. Fancy the wrong word, but like it gives it a legitimacy. I don't know why. I I picked the pink one because I when you're working at a radio station, things get stolen, um, and nobody yeah. just. I I thought you know completely. Uh, you know, typical, uh, ma- uh, you know, uh, what well, I can't think of the word, uh, toxic masculinity, masculinity, like, oh, pink, I would never steal something that's pink. And also, like, if, somebody, <laughs> if you steal something that's pink, like, it's easily gonna be like, oh, that's my spot. Um, but yeah, when that's I put it on, hilarious. I had, this, I had I a white it. one, yeah, I had a white one, so the white mic with the pink top looked even more phallic. Yeah, I'm man. sure that was popular at uh, at the 670 studios, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, man. Well, um, yeah, thank you so much for joining us. And we want to let's get right into it. I want to know more about 
you, Sean. I um, I actually there's like no horror after you. this ever. By the way, it just kind of like <laughs> loops. There's just listen, like no. I listen. Horror no, I, oh, I, for real. I, I, oh, I don't yeah, know. I've heard, I've heard a few shagging flies. Oh, that does my heart good. That's I'm, uh, I'm, it's. I weep, it's so I funny. It's it's so funny because like you you see the numbers that say like people downloaded your episode, people listened to it, but it's just like in theory. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, sure. So you know, you say so. Like I have no idea. The best part just, about yeah. having a, a a podcast of my own is I have a voicemail, so like I can at least see people. Like you know, there's hmm. people calling in and be like, oh, there's the people. I could put a, a name to the, hey, to the downloads. Yeah. I totally get it. Oh yeah, it's always I've That's said this on the podcast before, but like it's just like writing online where you see just a bunch of numbers that say like, Yeah, so many people clicked on your article and I've always said it's like throwing a paper airplane to a crowd, like a message, and you're just like, I hope somebody got it. Like you're just like throwing it out there and like somebody grabbed it, right? There's so many people out there. Someone must have, but I'll never know. So it's uh it's wonderful to have a, a listener on the podcast. That's well, so and I guess exciting. that's also the danger of read receipts too. Is like mm, mm-hmm. then it confirms that you read that, and now yeah. now there's a time that like <laughs> yeah, you you waited three hours to respond to me. You better have been busy. Dude, the only the only people who leave read receipts on are like old people who don't know how to turn them off. Yeah, like my right. parents. That's have not true. I don't think that's yet. true. Really, it's like dangerously untrue. Don't mislead people like that. It's really because I think anyone who doesn't, I, it scares anyone me. who leaves read receipts on, is nuts. Unless they are like really, really good at getting back to text. But like, I think the people that are really good at getting back to text are the people that are super old. So I think it's true. Again, you know, kind of like chicken or the egg, I yeah. guess. But yeah, I, I yeah, think they go I, hand I, in think, hand. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know man. a lot of too young people that are put, leaving read receipts on. Dude, it's too dangerous. I, it, well, you know, I, I text messages are supposed to be a portable conversation that I can get to at some point. Like, it's not, if you need me right now, call me. Like, if you need me to, if you have something where you're like, I need his response in the next, like, 10 minutes, give me a call. Like, if you, it, just shoot me a text of, like, hey, respond when you can. Like, obviously, you know, you expect it within, like, a few hours, maybe, or something like that. But, anyways. um, So, Sean, I want to know the Sean Anderson origin story where are uh how did you kind of get into the business i know you're in radio for a bit how did you get to there where are you now where are you from all that stuff well i think zach either has a cat or uh, maybe like a squirrel oh nice yeah yeah what's your cat's name zach her name her name is silver she's uh she's a couple a couple weeks short of her roughly her 21st birthday Oh my so god! She, yeah, it's gonna get wasted. Don't count. <laughs> don't <laughs> drink. Don't so count your chickens beer. yet, man. Uh, so <laughs> she makes herself known. She's deaf and doesn't really care. She doesn't care about my podcast. Like she really. <laughs> it all she knows is that she isn't getting attention. Yeah, yeah we it, immediately it, heard her and immediately had to bring her back up. I mean, she's, it, she's it wouldn't be a podcast if we weren't interrupted by the cat. Yeah. Oh, hey, she caught a mouse live on air a few weeks ago. Get oh, that's right. Yeah, that I missed that one. I had to stop the whole thing because otherwise she was going to chow down. It was with uh, Howard <laughs> Howard Megdal. It was a real oh my god, a man who I admire very much. It was a great, it was a great <laughs> like not even deep into the conversation. We were like it was around this point, so like we hadn't even really gotten to know each other that well. And I just like I 
you go, I'm not going to repeat the story. <laughs> You've already done it. Ben, what oh was the question? God. My origin story. Oh, yeah. So I just want to know, like, where are you from? You know, where'd you grow up? Where are you now? Uh, how'd you get into radio? All that. All right. So, I mean, it was, I, I grew up in uh, Southwest suburbs. Um, I would say I grew up in Chicago my whole life, but my girlfriend who grew up in Chicago her whole life would say that I'm from Oak Lawn. Uh, there is not even, you know, a three mile difference uh, between the Chicago border and Oak Lawn. So I, f- I feel a little hurt that I can't say I'm a Chicagoan. Um, my but- eye doctor's in Oak Lawn. I mean, I go there all the time. For sure. <laughs> there you there. go. <laughs> 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 right. I mean, I, I went to high school in, in Chicago. I went to uh, college in Chicago. I you know worked in Chicago. So I felt like I, I proved myself enough. But uh, Chicago and basically my whole life. Um, and I got into broadcasting because John Anderson was on SportsCenter, um, the, the, the anchor. And my dad's name yeah. is John Anderson. Uh, ah. So and, and I sucked at sports. Um, I liked him, but my uncle at a very young age told me like, eh, you know, you're not going to make it, <laughs> you know, it's very hard to make it. So how old, how old were you? Were you like, Oh, was, six. was this at like, this was at like T-ball. He's just like, yeah, yeah you're, you're not going to make it. It's, it's like, you know, you, you're good, but everyone's like good, you know, <laughs> you know out, son? Six years old. <laughs> He's, I'm in a closet right now, Ben. <laughs> I mean, he do. To the guy I just, I just maybe it was a drive thing maybe it was a motor thing uh you know, i just i just, I just love the thought of sitting down a six show and be like yeah your athletic career is over <laughs> it's not it's not gonna happen we, we see your future it's five eight and balding it's, it's not awful. good yeah it's rough um, oh but yeah so i mean I, I i wanted to stay in sports um and i i was always you know whether i was broadcasting my own games as an only child uh, you know, I was always just kind of doing it. So, and then I come college, I finally get the opportunity to be in college radio, did that, got an internship, uh, in promotions at a, uh, you know, pop station and then got a promotions job at a sports radio station and then got promoted to producer and then worked there for two years and eight months or something like that. And now I'm the podcast host of, uh, locked on socks, locked on white socks. That is a couple socks. No, that's the only there. socks we recognize here. It's all right. Very very cool. You Thank know you. what? This is you are the second locked on something host that we have had. Oh yeah. On uh, on the podcast, Connor Newcomb is the host of Locked On Orioles. Oh. And and also a broad. He's a play by play guy. Nice. Uh, for oh man, Zach, you're gonna have to remind me. Zach is frozen. Zach's and gone. gone now. <laughs> Zach is dealing with silver. He just he just yeah. His cat just attacked him. <laughs> <laughs> He's like I'm twenty. I'm still young and spry. Um, um, I'm here. I'm here in spirit. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Yeah, um, yeah. Connor is a play-by-play guy for. Oh man! In is it Johns Hopkins? It was John. Yeah, currently Johns yeah. Hopkins. He did the. Um, he, he was a Hagers Hagerstown whatever minor Hagerstown. league team. But yeah, he hosts uh, all that to say. He hosts Stop. on Locked On Orioles. So look at that, our second Locked On podcast got, host. Got they sent me yeah, merch. Man. It was really cool. <laughs> yeah. I got two t-shirts. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's so, all you need actually, these days. Right? Oh, I, also, I mean, I guess I can mention this. I'm a former yeah. uh, pitcher list uh, employee too for a, for a brief. Uh, Are you I think, oh, really? Yeah. I never told Nick I, I left, um, yeah. but also when he never this? kind of bugged me again. <laughs> um, so it was, when, it was, when a, was this? I think it had to be 2018. Maybe I did um, a couple gift write-ups for, for players. 
Mm. Um, oh, oh, you're doing the gift database? Yeah, yeah, I was doing those. So yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I think uh, it was someone on the uh, the Royals. I remember uh, a reliever on the Royals, and it was like you know diagnosing his three pitches. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, I yeah. I wrote up a lot of those. The uh, um, God, years ago, I used to. I don't do the write ups anymore. I'll make I'll make a bunch of gifts. Write ups are we stopped fast. doing them this year. Have we stopped doing them? That's for the best. Because the it, database still exists. We still did the gifts, but the no more right. like. Right that's now. for the best it it just we got there's so many it's a, a unique idea i mean it's like, a cool it idea it's the only one out there like, high high labor high labor yeah, yeah it no, is absolutely and the gift database i love and and making the gifts isn't a problem but doing a, a blurb for every single pitch it's a lot of work and yeah i remember doing a whole lot of them and it, you just kind of get to the point where like i don't know it's a fastball right <laughs> exactly it's fine you know he does okay I don't know. What do you want? Just look at this stupid gif. And, and you're going you know, in and yeah, you're going in and out of whether you know like horizontal or uh, vertical run. Like you're yeah. just like, oh, I thought God. I knew this twelve pitches ago, but now you I know. Yeah. Oh yeah, you stare at the numbers enough, and you're like, I, I don't know what I know. Yeah, and <laughs> then you so... find the one that's like really good. You find like a money pitch, and then you're like, oh my God, you you you're right. Like you know, look, three you to four using the pitcherless lingo, oh, money pitch. I'm a and dork. Everything. I'm sorry. Oh, I love <laughs> it. No, I love it. I just did a money pitches article. Ooh. Uh, like today I, or was it today? Yeah, I did my, I do an article every year of, um, I look at all of the money pitches that were thrown last year. And then I highlight, you know, a handful of pitchers who are like guys who aren't, you know, obviously Max Scherzer throws a money pitch cause he's incredible, but you know, Alex Wood threw a money pitch or Dane Dunning threw a money pitch. And so I like hmm. to highlight some of those guys and like, Hey, cool. Is that a sinker? Uh, Dunning. No, it was his changeup. Oh, really? Yeah, his changeup, his changeup was great hmm. last year. Dunning is a guy I'm really super interested in. Yeah. I he's one of those guys. He'll be, he'll be, has he'll like, have success. I don't know what it'll look like, but it'll have success, I think. He's got a handful of really solid pitches, and then like one really bad fastball. It's one of those guys. Yes. Everything so moves like crazy. Gonna be, if he can, if he can command it, he'll have some good years. Yeah. So, uh, and he's going to get the opportunity. So, so yeah, I like to. I mean, um, one of the guys who's in the article is Paolo Espino, a thirty-five-year-old uh, journeyman who got a bunch of stars. Oh, yeah. Bats. My uh, guy Paolo, of course. Yeah, his curveball was a money pitch out of nowhere. Um, so, but anyways, yeah, that's awesome. It's so funny that you were. Uh, oh, you mentioned so being on pitcher list because there are so many staffers now i i just i i used to know everybody by name and now it's just like people come and go and i'm like really you're you're on because it's just it's a thousand people who work for pitcherless now it's ridiculous yeah i mean i didn't even get an article in so it's like <laughs> you know i i was in and i was out i was on nick's radar for a second and oh I yeah I, off of it i find out guys uh you know who are now off doing something for another site and like yeah nick will be like yeah yeah, yeah. he worked for us for a little while i'm like i don't remember that <laughs> yeah it was like for like half a year it it's the weirdest thing um yeah i was i i joined pitchless and there was like 10 15 20 people on staff and i knew all of them and now it's like 150 or whatever it's nuts but it's awesome um so i wanted how you, to how what? i wanted to ask how how are we okay. dealing with the snow today because oh yeah the easiest way just you just don't leave your house i mean i went out once to to go uh check out some uh some some cat droppings and uh my uh, bathroom garbage mm. uh and i immediately took a step outside up to my knees so you know it was it was a drift so it wasn't straight up you know eight inches but 
it was, you know, I just avoid it. There's no reason to leave my house. There's a certain type of person that will go out of their way to go out and like do stuff in a snowstorm though. Yeah. I mean, like I, I'll go outside in my shorts and be like, oh, I'm crazy. But then it's like, you know, and then I get cold and it's, you know, it's really a novel feeling. And then it's just, you get stuck inside. I mean, I don't, I don't, there's no point to go outside right now. Like I'm not going to actually get anything productive done going out in eight inches of snow. That's, that's too much snow. That's way too much snow. I, my hot take snow sucks. Snow <laughs> sucks so much. I never liked it. Even when I was a kid, I did not enjoy snowball fights or sledding. The only part of sledding I enjoyed was going down the hill. Everything else about sledding sucked. Going back up the hill, crashing, getting snow in your coat and jacket. It's 25 degrees outside. Why are we playing in like little ice crystals and throwing them at our faces? Like, I just, I, I don't know. And we now could be I, inside playing PlayStation. We could be inside where it's warm playing. Thank you. I had a, it was for me, it was Nintendo, but yes. Man, we see, this is inside. how I, I don't, I don't relate. I feel the same way about beaches, though. So I can, I can, I can accept it. Like, I do oh, row or yeah. anti beach. I am pretty, not anti beach, but like, it has oh, to be a very, very, very specific circumstance. Like, I don't know. The idea of it being 99 degrees, like, sand gets everywhere and you're getting all oily and Burst. like that. And even when you're like, after you get wet and you feel good, you feel kind of gross. If it's the lake, you know. Oh, if uh, it's like if it's like a hundred degrees outside, I don't want to be on the beach. But I will tell you, you go on the beach. My one of my favorite things to do. If it's like eighty-five degrees outside, no clouds in the sky, you set up on the beach under an umbrella and read a book and just sit or sit, close my eyes and listen to music. Like that is just that's pure relaxation now i don't really get to do that much because i have kids who are like i want to go play in the water and i can't just be like yeah yeah, yeah have fun because they'll die and i don't <laughs> want them to die um so i have to like pay attention to them and that can when you're just standing on the edge of the water with your five-year-old just standing there just standing and standing and standing that can get old and that's when i have people come up and talk to me i apparently i guess have a friendly face and all the time when I when I would do that at the beach, strangers would just walk up to me and be like, "Hey, how's it going?" And I'm like, "I, I know you love dad jokes, man. It just you exude dad." <laughs> well, it was I had a guy, man. I had a guy. We were in the Outer Banks, North Carolina, and this dude comes up to me, and he is the most stereotypical New Yorker that you've ever seen. And I kid, I kid you not, the guy's name was something like, "Hey, he was Mom Vinny from the Bronx." Like I'm not even joking. What is that? His name was something like Vinny or like something. It's like super... those Twitter users like Vinny from the Bronx. And then he's got, he'll tell you the Yankees record. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. The Yankees are 74 and 42. Yeah. He just walks up. He's like, yeah. And the like, first thing he says, Looking, to me, like, hey, are you going? Yes. That, uh, that, that's your kid. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm just standing here with a child. Like, I don't know. Just found him. Just uh, loitering. <laughs> just loitering, you know. If you really didn't right. know the answer to that question, wouldn't you be concerned? Yeah, it's <laughs> like, nope. Uh, yeah, I just want to be like, nope, nope, not mine. Uh, <laughs> but no, he's just like, you know what they, uh, you know, they got a uh, sandbar out there. You know what's, uh, you know what's beyond that sandbar? You go up in a plane, sharks, just lots of sharks. <laughs> just like, what the hell? Don't tell me this. We're all in the water. He's like, yeah, you go up in a plane, you take one of those plane tours, you see a lot of sharks. They just don't come in because they don't really want to. I'm like, what are you doing right 
Vinny the Vinny from the Bronx sounds like a stand-up uh, citizen. He's, he's warning you about sharks, and he's yeah. checking in on you know just children <laughs> that may be sure. alone. Yeah. Not yeah. every beach in North Carolina is so lucky to have a New Yorker there. Who's been <laughs> oh my God. Well, and then he told me that he is originally from New York, but lives in North Carolina because he wanted to move out to the country because it was too expensive to live in New York. And now he has like a farm or whatever. It's just like I'm just like, why are you? I just want to sit at the beach. Sounds delightful. <laughs> but um, anyways, circling back to you, Sean. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to College Radio. I did College Radio for a little bit. It did you like do? Uh, were you doing like sports, college sports radio, or were you doing like music? I did like DJ. I was. Uh, I, I was. I started off doing um sports i was the assistant uh sports director uh my freshman year and my first uh game uh the sports director uh usama he was like all right i'll do play by play you'll do color i'm like great sounds good you know this guy's been doing football for at least a year um he's a you know junior this is gonna go great 10 minutes before the game he's like i'm too nervous you're gonna have to do play by play I'm like, all right, bet, let's go. Um, so that was kind of my whole entire college radio Whoa. career. Um, not to brag, uh, but uh, I was the first uh, sports director and music director at the same time. Ooh. Oh, uh, that's cool. At, at, at my radio station, so that was a uh, that was that was cool. So that's yeah, sick. college radio meant, meant meant a lot. Oh, dude, college radio is the best. I I was at uh, when I went to Shippensburg University in Pennsylvania. It's a tiny little. <laughs> Uh, I went to St. Xavier University in Chicago, <laughs> so it's like, you know, I, I get you. Shippensburg is out in, like, just outside Amish country uh, <laughs> in southern Pennsylvania. It's about, I don't know, 10,000 people, uh, commuter school. But they had a college radio station. <clears throat> My freshman year, I got to DJ, and it was the best. They had, it was all, like, super, uh, like, obscure indie music. Uh, and this was 2009, 2010. So we were like, I mean, some of the best like indie music around was coming out. That was like when the scene was really exploding and it was the best. I, I discovered so much music there, so much music that I absolutely love. And the music director just kind of gave us freedom to do whatever. It's just like, yeah, you want to plug in your iPod? Just as long as it's FCC appropriate. <laughs> You know, you can play some stuff. And it was so much fun. I did a whole show, four hours of Beatles music. It was so much fun. I love nice. it. Nice. Uh, yeah. yeah. We, we, how, how'd you like Get Back? Did you watch it? Um. Oh, oh, Get Back. Oh, yeah, dude. It was amazing. I loved it. It was, I, I learned so much from, uh, one of the biggest takeaways I had from Get Back was that the world owes Yoko Ono a huge apology. Because she, mm. the whole, the whole movie like hours and hours what's yoko doing she's like sitting off to the side like doing a crossword or just quietly listening Wordle. at one point she's literally reading a magazine article about the beatles <laughs> like she is not being this divisive person who's breaking up the beatles the the beatles broke up because their egos got big and also because paul was like the worst person in the studio <laughs> well uh, their manager died like if well, yeah, I mean, Brian Epstein yeah. died. He probably died in like '66. Right. It was before Sergeant Peppers. So, I mean, yeah, that definitely Epstein definitely helped a lot, kind of keep them in check. But they just started. I don't know. Watching Paul in the studio, I'm just like, no wonder 
the rest of the Beatles hated him so much. Like he was just such a dick. I he haven't always do that. watching watching the series yet, um, but I frankly always agreed with the takes about his late Beatles era stuff just being kind of whack. <laughs> oh, I I I will like, say I love Paul, but like he just he always thought that his music and his ideas were the best and ha- I, could not be improved upon. The one line that I remember seeing from <clears throat> from the movie was um. Not even from the movie. It might have just been from from the time was about Maxwell Silverhammer and making him do like fifteen hundred takes or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. You sent you sent me that. Yeah, it, Did that I send wasn't you that? in the movie. Oh, God, but, yeah, shot I am. But <laughs> no, you. Uh, um, yeah, that wasn't in the movie. But they do. He does try. He does like, record Maxwell Silverhammer, and that a lot song sucks. Film. Like it's. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind it. It's a weird. It's a weird song about a guy who's like serial murdering everybody <laughs> with a big hammer. It's a weird song. But like, I don't know that the footage is great, but I just there was one scene that just broke my heart because John is sitting down and he's showing everybody don't let me down, which is this love song that he wrote for Yoko and he's playing it for George and Paul. And the whole time they're sitting there going like, "Uh, it's a bit it's a bit cheesy, don't you think? And and they're just like ragging on him and just talking about like, yeah, it's all right. It's just, I don't know. It feels a little cheesy. And I'm just like, guys, come on. Like, why are you going to be so mean? It's just, uh, anyways, I, I could talk about it forever, but it was a great, it's a great documentary. If you haven't watched it yet, it's worth watching if you're a Beatles nerd like I am. But yeah. what did you think of it, Sean? Did you watch it? Well- well, I don't have Disney Plus, so uh, my recommended page on YouTube was littered with uh, like ripped clips of. <laughs> so I got the gist of it. I basically yeah. watched uh, Get Back uh, Cliff Notes, um, <laughs> which you know it, it did show a lot of that stuff. I mean, I just I like Paul. You know, I've seen Paul oh, me too. twice in concert now, and it, he he seems like a good guy. I just think Absolutely. that they're like. You're you are the now the leader of the Beatles, and I can't imagine what that pressure's like at like sure. 28, right? I mean, oh no, no, no! I, yeah, I I so, should have prefaced this by saying yeah, I do love Paul, and I just I think he kind of I think all four of them started believing their well I don't know if Ringo did I think three of them started really believing their own hype and and um, how do, how can you not when you're 23, 24, 25, and you are basically gods to you know the entirety of the United States and and Britain. And George Harrison's like begging, just being like, guys, I wrote like a couple songs. Can we listen to like please, just a couple please. of them? Yeah, and like, shit it's like, it. it's like not using like your best player, like leaving your best player oh, on the bench. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's some of that's the, the biggest, some of the best scenes, some of the best scenes were Ringo though. Like two, two of my favorite scenes were one where Paul and, uh, it's the doc, the di- director of the documentary are like having a serious conversation and Ringo just looks up at them and goes, I farted. <laughs> and everyone's just like what and he's just like, just thought i'd let you know and i'm just like what the hell ringo and then there's another one where he shows them octopus's garden and the whole all of the beatles are like oh you learned an a minor chord look at you <laughs> just like like he's like oh look at you very nice like uh you know like a parent looking at their kids crappy drawing they're like oh wow this is really good yeah, i was thinking of the family guy sketch where they're like oh, oh yeah we'll put this on the wall <laughs> put this on the fridge, the- <laughs> it's a great job 
Yeah. Oh my god, I forgot about that. But yeah, it's it's Get Back's great. I I I loved watching it. The rooftop concert was a lot of fun to watch. It was such a great like they totally knew the police were going to intervene and then they just kept stalling the cops. The cops show up and they're like, "Can we talk to somebody?" and they're like, "Oh, he's out. We're not sure what's going on." And they just like keep them wandering around the lobby for like ever. It's, it's a like, great What's going on? Oh, we're we're waiting. We're just yeah, we're just there. I don't know. Figure, I just figure it out. They're just rehearsing. I don't know. They decided <laughs> to go on the roof for some reason. We're not sure. Like it's hilarious. But anyways, um, you know what? Speaking of music, I get the impression based on a quick Google Twitter search that you are a Bruce Springsteen oh. fan. Oh no, yeah, I am. Very cool. All right, I want to know what's your favorite Springsteen album, uh, and if you could rank like your top five, actually. Okay, I mean, I, baseball right? I mean, the whole joke is baseball writers and Springsteen. So I mean, it's it's not too shocking. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Um, <laughs> I've, I've seen them, I think, tw- twice in concert too. I mean, both of them are mm. the best experiences I've ever had. Mm. Um, if we're ranking top five albums, I think it's probably tough not to just go seventy five to eighty four and just do Born to Run, Darkness, The River, Nebraska, and then Born in the USA. Um, I think that would probably be my top five, just because. The, the run that he's on, like he's in such a, a zone there uh, that I, I think that, you know, it's his best stuff. And he does so much in, in, in that range where he does, you know, dark and stormy on Nebraska pop on born in the USA, you know, the typical Springsteen and darkness and, and uh, born, born to run. And then he gets more poppy too with, with the, uh, with the, the river. So I think, you know, those are probably his top five. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's a strong choice. Born to run would probably be my favorite. I will say some of his more recent stuff has been really good. Like Letter to You was very good. I thought I thought um I thought High Hopes was really good. Um I, High Hopes was the one where he had Tom Morello, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean that I, I thought was a weird addition. <laughs> <laughs> there were some hit, hits and misses on that one. Yeah. I liked High Hopes. I, I'm a huge mark for uh the song uh If I Was the Priest uh on that one. Uh mm-hmm. he wrote that in uh in like it was one of his earlier songs so that song's like 50 years old and he never actually like released it so it was always a demo and it was one that i'd listened to on youtube and he like played it twice in his whole entire like live performance career too and i was like oh is he ever gonna play that ever again like when is bruce gonna dust off if i was the <laughs> priest so like when he busted that one out i was like oh shit! you know like, yeah holy crap i mean that was that was a moment for me in 2020 when bruce released <laughs> that one that was yeah um if, if there's Springsteen and Tom Morello, if they they are both have extensive histories of having their music misappropriated by politicians <laughs> who are just completely yes. missing points. Oh yeah, I have not sure. listened to any of their music together, but I can imagine that they could do a little commiserating <laughs> there. Well, so what's funny is like, it's just Tom Morello as a guitarist, his style just kind of clashes a little bit with Springsteen. Like he, I would he not doesn't have put do two together. Right. It's not all like Springsteen, you know, doing Springsteen stuff. And then like there's an instrumental break and you're just like, it's not that there's a little bit of that, but, but not, it's not that bad. It's just, it's a weird pairing, but it kind of works. My thing with Springsteen, the thing I always look, I love I'm on fire. I think it's a great song, but it's also extraordinarily creepy. (laughs) Like I just don't understand 
You have an How ear for no picking point. out like weird, creepy songs within the discographies of great well, artists. Like, 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 just the "Hey, little girl, is your daddy home? Did he go away and leave you all alone?" I got a bad desire. Like, how did somebody? That's not good. How did somebody not say, Bruce, can we just pause (laughs) on this real quick? What are you doing? (laughs) We can't release this. We can't put that out. You just said, hey, little girl, is your daddy home? And you've got a bad desire. What? No. (laughs) What do you just want to put this out there? Everyone's going to listen to it. It's like, I I don't know. It's just the weirdest. I don't know. That, well, that... And the weird thing too is like that's like the one of the like what like the third most popular song on that album too. Oh, it's yeah, I know. Like, there's so many <laughs> songs out there. Like I mean, we could just do that. It's like remember <laughs> some guys or like remember some creepy songs that were popular. Like uh, oh yeah, uh, you, you hey, gotta have some misses to get some hits. It is very very true. Like hey nineteen is like one year off, or two years off from being like really concerning. Um, oh yeah, like I, I mean that one's just. Had a song too. called "Sweet Little 16, which I believe was a cover, but I mean yeah, that was a popular. It is, track, yeah, right? it, that's a "Sweet Little 16 is a uh, Chuck we, Berry we song. Yeah, Chuck, I thought it was Chuck Berry. I didn't want to say Chuck Berry. Oh, but... I mean, there's. I mean, speaking of the Beatles, she was it's just seventeen. 17 yeah, right. yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Clarify that yeah. a little, Paul. Can you? Like, or are you also seventeen? <laughs> yeah. Can you? Is yeah, that because we don't know? We don't know. That's we're supposed to know. The worst one. The worst. The worst example of this I know what you're saying. is, um, <laughs> I, I don't know if I've mentioned this song on, on the podcast before, but the song Young Girl by Gary Puckett and the Union Gap. Oh, no, not that one. It was a popular song in the 60s. But let me let me oh. give you a little taste of some of the lyrics here. This is the chorus of the song. Oh, Young know. girl, get out of my mind. My love for you is way out of line. Better run, girl. You're much too young, girl. That's the chorus of the song. There are lines like... Beneath your perfume and your makeup, you're just a baby in disguise. And though you know that it's wrong to be, I don't. I don't want to hear that anymore. Yeah, we're done. We're done here. <laughs> Did you mute him? Man, man. <laughs> do, oh, do only I have the power to unmute you? I thought you could unmute I, I yourself. I guess so. <laughs> in the that same song was of... number two on the Billboard Hot 100, by the way. Ew. For three weeks. In what year? 1968. Mm. That 60. Uh, 68 uh, that was and guess what it's a a great song it's a super catchy song and if it comes on i will belt it out in the car i i love that song but it is the creepiest friggin' song that's the one where i'm just like how did no one stop gary puckett and be like whoa whoa are you just putting out a number one hit about like being into a way too young girl acknowledging that she's too young and being like well like I just gotta sing about it. Yep, I just I I'm fully aware that you're too young, but you better get out of here before I have the time to change my mind. What else Whoa. are boys supposed to do? <laughs> right. I, uh, I interrupted you. What were you saying, Sean? Uh, no, I just was uh, <laughs> trying to fill. Uh, there's a the like weird songs. There's a one that my girlfriend showed me uh, during Christmas time called "The Christmas Shoes" by New Oh my Song. God! You know this one. Wait, are you talking about? Are you talking about Christmas shoes like the tearjerker, mm-hmm. horrible like? Sir, I wanna buy these shoes. Okay, for my dead mom who's dying of cancer. It is. It is the worst. <laughs> it is the most. Uh, Patton Oswalt has a fabulous bit about that song. It's it's an, an amazing bit, and it says everything I've ever thought about that song and so much more. But it is a so it was a staple of Christian radio station. 
I, I grew up in a, a family that listened to the local Christian radio station a lot. And um, they uh, that was on all the time around Christmas time. And it is the most manipulative, emotionally manipulative song. Right. Because it's like, yeah, you know what makes people sad? Kids uh, with dying moms. Who are Let's, super poor. Who are super poor. And they just, Patton Oswalt makes this point in his bit, but he talks about how like, the description of the child is like he's this Dickensian street urchin. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like covered in soot and dirt. <laughs> it's just, it's the worst song. It's, it's so awful. Bad. They did a, a parody of it on SNL this year. Oh, did they? They, they did a sketch making fun of it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it deserves it's it. Yeah, no, it deserves it. It's, oh uh, man, what was the name of the band that did that song? New Song. New song, yeah, it's the worst band name too. What a dumb name! Yeah, it looks like News Ong. Yeah, it's New Song. <laughs> oh my god, no! I was if you haven't heard Patton Oswalt's bit, it's like an eight-minute uh, bit about uh, Christmas shoes. I strongly recommend looking it up. It's like, that is that's that just is the nature of being a musician, though. Like you think, it, like every great rapper has bars that are just horrendous that make you go, "Who did no like?" <laughs> nobody told you to not say that you just have to sometimes you have to spit out so many different whether it's you know line songs whatever you create enough things and you just have to miss a lot and sometimes stuff slips through the cracks and you just gotta hope no one's really watching and you're not bruce springsteen i guess i I totally get like the the whole like you know michael scott like 100 percent, or i guess wayne gretzky uh you you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take um but like this one is like it's not even one of those it's just like this is jake paul like it's every day bro bad like this is they were writing a a christmas country song to make your mother tear her eyes out yep oh yeah oh yeah and it's it's got that like this was the '90s, was it that it came out? I think late yeah, '90s. My extensive Google search says 2000. 2000. Oh, yeah. that actually tracks. It's got that like late '90s, early 2000s contemporary Christian music sound to it, where it's just like this, like yeah, we're doing rock and roll, but not quite rock and roll. And it's 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 such a bad song it's very mark cone walking yeah. in memphis <laughs> very walking i actually thought that too it's very, very walking. walking in my own fears yeah oh my god <laughs> um all right anyways i would like to i would like to pivot to baseball um the main question that we ask everybody on this but yeah you know what's baseball who cares <laughs> main question hey, you wouldn't know these days right <laughs> I, yeah i know <laughs> Why is it that you love baseball? What is it about the sport of baseball? Out of all the sports out there, all the different sports that you could be a fan of, what is it about baseball specifically that you love? I think I love the fact that I can leave. I, I can just leave it alone. Like I, if if I don't want to watch a baseball game, I don't have to. It's. I mean, I don't know, know the math, but whatever thirty times one hundred and sixty-two is, yeah, and then times twenty-four. Like I, I, that's too many baseball games yeah. for me to even process. So I try to, you know, it's been a lifelong journey. I've loved the game and I've hated the game and I've loved it. And then I've been paid to cover it. So it's like, you know, it's, it's been every emotion I think that you've had. So it's, you know, it, I think it is my favorite sport just because it was the one I was the best at. And I think it's the one I understand the most, but it's also, you know, 
three hours and 45 minutes for a playoff game to finish. Like there, there are some imperfections to the sport. So yeah, overall, and like, there's some also trauma to, to baseball that I have, which is like never fun. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I, I think that overall, you know, it's, it, it's a life lo- It's too long of a game to actually process, but you know, here, so is life. <laughs> that's a good one. I've yeah. we've gotten a few similar to that. And I think that's my personal favorite category, which is the kind of just, it's always there. Baseball is a presence in a way that football isn't football yeah. is an event. It's something you do on Sundays or Saturdays for college or whatever, but baseball and it's why baseball shouldn't be expensive either. It's because it's something that's yes. always happening in the background. It's something that's accessible at any time. It's something you can afford to look away for a little while because you're going to miss some things. But you, like you said, there's 162 games you're going to see more of it. And it's just, it's funny that you say that uh, you, you learn to do many things to the game. As I, you said that as I looked up and saw a bumper sticker that's still on my door from the 2012 White Sox that says, <laughs> letters, uh, appreciate the game, which I think sums up a lot of White Sox fandom and that they were, you know, just telling us to shut up and enjoy the ride, so to speak, just appreciate it. Mm. Uh, so you are, of course, a White Sox fan, as evidenced by your hosting of the Locked On White Sox podcast. And there's a White Sox jacket in the background that they can't quite see. Yeah. It's beside the point. So uh, tell me, I, I assume being from Oak Lawn, it runs in the family to an extent. It's hard to be an Oak Lawn sports fan and not be not be a Sox fan. So how, how did you come about that? Uh, I By the best way, I was a Cubs fan first and then oh, I changed my mind. OK, okay. Yeah. Uh, my favorite color is blue. My second favorite color is red. I was born on uh, the 21st of August. So 21 blue and red. Sammy oh, Sosa's man, hitting 6,000 home runs on the north yeah. side. He was the coolest thing in like the city. Uh, so I, I was a Cub fan. I had a fat head of uh, Sammy Sosa on my wall. Hmm. So, uh, And then he broke my heart with his cork bat uh, in, in 2004 or whatever. And then I was like, you know, they just lost in, uh, to uh, to the Marlins, and that was horrible. And now Sammy Sosa's a cheater. I guess I'll be a White Sox fan like my dad. And then they won the World Series. So, you know. Perfect. Yeah. You made it easy. Right. <laughs> Orioles legend. Yes, Sammy Orioles Sosa. legend Sammy Orioles Sosa. Orioles legend Sammy Sosa. Who, in a way, White Sox legend, who he got uh, got picked off first yeah. base. He was the only base runner in Mark Burley's no-hitter and uh Got picked off to keep it a even twenty seven. So, <laughs> well, he was a, he's a rare Cub Sox trade too. He was a, he's, he made the debut with the uh, his career debut. Yeah, he came Sox. up with the Sox. I'm trying to mm-hmm. who was he traded for? Um, I don't. know. It was I think it was a reliever. It's a bad trade. It's it's a White Sox bad trade. Um, nice. They like, don't have many of those. Than, yeah. <laughs> uh, George yeah. Bell. It was George Bell, former uh, former MVP. Oh really? Who was pretty pretty past his prime by that point. Yeah, that's a pretty classic okay. White Sox trade. Trade up and coming young star for washed former MVP. Oh, uh, <laughs> the Orioles did that for uh, who was it? Eric Davis. Orioles Orioles traded uh, Kurt Schilling, Steve Finley, Ooh. and uh, somebody else who didn't matter all that much. Um, for Eric Davis, who was like, oh, you know, two for three. Wasn't Ter- Davis like okay with the, yeah. the Orioles? Yeah, he was like okay, okay for a couple of years and did nothing. And we, like, obviously, you know, noted Kurt Schilling is a vile human being, but, um, you know, was a pretty good pitcher. Man, can you imagine right. him, Cena, him and Moose in the same rotation? Who? Dude. 
Yep, we traded him away. And I'm, Steve Finley, we very traded solid outfielder. <laughs> Steve Finley was a very solid outfielder for a while. Well, and the so, thing too is Schilling, like he wasn't an asshole when he was pitching from at no. least to my knowledge. So it's like, you know, you can at least, you know, yearn for it. Like Esteban Loaiza was a great Sox. He's also <laughs> now a drug lord. So like, you know, people change. Esteban Loaiza is the man I modeled my, my pitching motion after for some reason when I was oh, in the yeah. league. I have no idea why, but I uh, did. Joe Creedy was my batting stance and then, um, <laughs> I tried El Duque because every White Sox course, fan and it, it, at that age did. Um, so yeah, those were my two. Yeah, I did. I did the Esteban Loaiza for some reason. <laughs> what what was one. distinctive about Esteban Loaiza's windup? Um, he did an over the head windup that kind of went far back. I wanted to do. So I think what happened was I was playing at the time I was doing Little League. I was playing one of the early baseball video games and doing like a uh, like one of the early MLB two K games mm-hmm. and did a franchise, looked at the free agents. Esteban Loaiza was a free agent, signed him to my team, and then he became like, you know, a guy that I used a lot in the game, and I just, I knew him uh, because of that. And so for some reason, I was like, I kind of like that windup when I started pitching. He just did this over-the-head windup. It was relatively simple, uh, but for whatever reason, I was like, that's what I want to do is Esteban Loaiza's windup. I don't know. Uh, it was weird. Um, the other guy was Jabba Chamberlain for me. Oh, Jabba. Jabba was the shit when I was a kid. <laughs> I remember Jabba. Yes, I the, remember alternate, the alternate universe rotation with Jabba Chamberlain, Phil Hughes, Ian Kennedy. and uh, <laughs> Was there a fourth like young Yankee starter from... Phil Coke? Oh, Phil Coke. Maybe. I, I know Phil Coke. He was uh, part of the Granderson trade, I think. But maybe that was him. Either way. He was a reliever. He was a reliever, but he could have come up as a starter. I don't know. I know too many. Anyways. Anyways. Um, <laughs> so speaking of baseball, I'd like to know how many ballparks have you been to? Do you have a favorite of all of them? And what is your favorite thing to get at the ballpark? It can be like a specific thing to a specific ballpark. Or just like, hey, every time I go, I got to get nachos no matter where I am. It's, no matter where I am, I always got to get a hot dog. Um, mm. If you follow me on Twitter, um, I, I just went to the Casey Musgraves concert at the United Center, uh, posted a picture of me Very eating cool. a hot dog. Yeah, oh yeah. First thing that I, I did was post me a picture of me eating a hot dog at the United Center. Uh, I did the same thing. First thing uh, when I went back to the G-Rate uh, was, you know, post a picture of me eating a hot dog. I mean, it's it's the classic ballpark thing. Um, I think then also if I'm picking my favorite White Sox thing, I would I would probably do churros or um, uh, elotes. Uh, those are probably the top two White Sox things. I know. Now I just want to be at the ballpark. Um, <laughs> but I've been to Miller Park, Wrigley, G-Rate, and that's it, I think. I'm trying to think. I think they've only been to three. Don't you mean American Family Ballpark or whatever Miller is? Right. Now? <laughs> yeah. I would. What's, I would, what's the what's the back when I name went? For? Uh, Corey Hart was giving me autographs, and it was called <laughs> Miller Light Park. <laughs> Only time I ever got autographs at a game, I went to the Sky Dome or Rogers Center now Same. in Toronto, and I got it was to see the Orioles play the Blue Jays, and we showed up early. And I got an autograph from Elrod Hendricks, RIP, who was a base <laughs> coach for the Orioles, and none other than Cal Ripken Jr. There you go. Got an autograph from him, which is pretty sweet. 
that also was, I don't know if I've ever told this story on the podcast. Uh, I was, so we're in Canada and there's this Orioles tradition where when you sing the national anthem, when you get to uh, the last, Oh, say everybody in the stadium shouts, Oh, because you know, Orioles. So we're in Canada and they start doing the American national anthem. And we get to that point, And my mother stands up full confidence, full throated. Oh, and is the only person <laughs> in a stadium of 20, oh, 30,000 people who shouts. Oh, and I mean, at the top of her lungs as loudly and as confidently <laughs> and as she could. You were a better man than I, because I would not be. On, I don't know if I'd be on speaking terms with my mother to this day. If, if well, I would, it, it was so funny. Uh, and and, and all the. She all knows. the Canadians, all the Canadians are looking around like, oh, were we supposed to do something? <laughs> they're what trying to that? be polite. Yeah, they're just like, oh man, what was that? Why did Ooh. she do that? What's, what's this? Oh, is she okay? Is she okay? She's standing up saying, oh, is she all right? <laughs> uh, and and then and then just and my mom just unfazed. My dad didn't do it. I don't think he did. He didn't. He didn't have the confidence. But my mom sure is. She did it, and then they and then they did the Canadian national anthem, and we just moved on. But it was the most awkward <laughs> thing. I'm just down. shouts, oh, yeah. And then it would have been oh, better right. if she doubled down and was like, "Oh, Canada, <laughs> <laughs> oh, say can you see?" That so would have been hilarious. Like, really weird one. My my <laughs> mom. My mom, the closest I ever came, I think, to killing my mom in public, which is not very many times, you know, was, you know, I never came particularly close, but this was the closest, you know, it was, uh, it was interesting at, category. It was in the, uh, the fourth or fifth, maybe sixth, fifth or sixth inning of Mark Burley's perfect game. And, uh, we are me and my dad and my cousin are somewhere down in the, down the third baseline section one forty something. Uh, and my mom is working. So she comes in late to the game around like the fifth inning and she looks up as she, you know, gets in like she has a beer, you know, or a you know, popcorn or pizza or something like that. And she looks up at the scoreboard and she turns to us and she says, like, I swear to God, the entire ballpark heard it. Oh, he hasn't given up any hits yet. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I did that the, the second inning. I also was at Mark Burley's perfect game. I, I oh, showed up, no way. missed the first inning, uh, and we're walking from the right field uh, bleachers. Like we're walking behind and, and go into the left field because we're in like 161. And uh, I look up to the scoreboard and just joke to my dad. I'm like, "Oh, hey, gonna see a perfect game today." And then uh, we saw a perfect game, and I was hyperventilating into a dipping dots bag. So you know, you know, it's just. It's- that's how it goes. It's so funny that that tradition of not mentioning a perfect game or no hitter because we say that, but then like, what happens when you're in the seventh inning and there's a no hitter? Your phone, no hitter alert. Right. Tune in right now. Oh, eighth inning, no hitter alert. The announcers are like, you know, maybe the announcers don't say this much, but like every sports app you've got is letting you know, hey, there's no hitter going on. There's no hitter. It's a no hitter. Perfect game, maybe. I was like, live. I, I thought was... we weren't supposed to jinx this. <laughs> I watched live cut-ins of Edwin Jackson throwing a a, a, a no hitter, you know, in in, in Tropicana. You yeah, know? like like yeah, we're no, all supposed just... to not say anything, but like also we say it all the time. How do you cover it if you can't say anything? <laughs> it's right. like you know Voldemort. Yeah. Um, 
All right, one last baseball question I'm going to get to before we move on to the more, I guess, random stuff. Um, you get a phone call that today you, Sean, are commissioner of baseball. What is it? What is one of the first things that you do outside of obviously end the lockout? I feel like is like the hour, do what you can to end the lockout. I feel like that's the obvious thing. But as far as like baseball itself, what's what's something that you would do? It's tough because I mean, there's so many to pick yeah. from. Um, like non lockout related issue, like obviously, you know, raising minimum pay would be sick. Um, I think there's three things I would either do automated strike zone, um, mm. robot ums, yeah, pitch clock. Or um, there was another one in my head. Uh, shorten the season. I think those are probably the hmm. three that I would have to decide between. But I'd probably go with pitch clock because they're not going to get rid of any games. And what I think that of, yeah, strike zone automation is going to come at some point. But I would say like a 30 second pitch clock is what we need because I've, I've watched enough Pedro Baez. I think we all have. <laughs> like, it's just been it's it's something that the game is hurting because of a, a point that you guys, uh, I think it was Zach mentioned, like the game needs to be more accessible just monetarily for fans. Yeah. Yeah, um, for sure. Like you need to increase the the fan base, the people going to the games and taking in the games. Um, but also people will just do that if the product is better. And I think the the one way it immediately becomes better is if you, if you create more action, you know, I, I think that, you know, banning yeah. the shift isn't going to create more action. I think just having guys work a little bit more faster at, at, at a pace that is more typical I, I think would improve the game a lot. I yeah, 100% yeah. agree with that. And I think having watched roughly 30 starts of Dylan Cease last year, <laughs> the thing that makes me say like, I, I know it's kind of to some like popular to some extent to be like, Oh, like, you know, the strikeouts and the walks and the three true outcomes aren't necessarily the problem here. Um, which I, to some extent agree with because everyone likes home runs but watching baseball was really unenjoyable when it takes 35 pitches to get through an inning and right. not even a run scores. I, the first game I saw in the 2020 this past season when, you know, still very limited capacity, it was hard to get tickets. So it was like the, I think the last game of opening weekend and me and a few of my friends are sitting up in the top corners of down the third baseline, you know, a million feet away and it's April and you're up high and it's like, 30 degrees and Dylan Cease is 85 pitches in and it's the fourth inning and we've been there for two hours already. And this is, we haven't seen live baseball in two years being near. And I'm like, we kind of, me and my friend Dante turned to each other. We don't really want to say we're like, this kind of sucks. I don't want to be here right now. Yeah. That's, it's it's when those games like it's fine when it's July and it's fine when you have like eight people at the ballpark with you. Mm -hmm. And it's like the, then the game flies by and you're like, I don't even remember being at the baseball game. But like, yeah, when it's 30 degrees and you're you're laboring through games, it's just it's impossible. And that's what honestly, that was one of the things that made me quit baseball. I was sitting on I was standing on second base. It was raining. It was fall ball. And I'm like, first this, this is the last thing I want to do. I'm exactly yeah. like you, Ben. I don't like the cold. I don't like yeah, snow. Yeah. I don't want to be out here. It's too damn long like let's go let's like let's pick up the pace here yeah so i i have a complicated uh complicated feelings about all of the, the length of game discussions because you have a you have a different angle than we do which is which is well valid. so 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 here's here's what i usually say 
the average length of the baseball game last year was about three hours and five minutes. That is a 30, roughly 30 minute increase from 30, 40 years ago. It really has not gotten that much longer. I, I don't think that a 30 minute increase in 30 years is, is all that noticeable. And at the same time, your average NFL game is also about three hours, but no one's complaining about that. They never say, and how much actual action do we, how much actual football do we get in an NFL game? Grand total, it, you're truly probably looking at like 10 to 20 minutes of actual football happening. If you just time when the play starts and the play ends, you start a stopwatch. There's like, there's, and right. it's, a lot of that is commercials because football gets huge ratings. I understand they're fundamentally different sports. But for me, the, the, if I go to a game, I go to a baseball game and I'm dropping over $100 just to sit down in the seat. I mean, just me and a family of four walks into Camden Yards to see the Orioles most likely lose. Uh, we're spending probably over $100 if we want to get food too, just to sit down and be there. I'm not then saying, all right, let's move this along. <laughs> like, I just dropped $150 to be here. I'd like to get this over with. Um, at the same time, I do understand. I don't hate the idea of a pitch clock because I think that's a way to speed up the game that doesn't fundamentally alter the game itself. Well, and I don't think they just need that long a very to reasonable pitch. amount of time. Yeah, I yeah. Think sure. Yeah. That's the thing, yeah. too, is like I understand your point. Absolutely. But it's just like I think like Zach said earlier, like Sunday or Saturday, it's an event. You know, you're going to be there for three hours. And also, you only yeah. have to do that, you know, now, what, 17 times a year, um, not including playoffs. But when the playoffs are this good, you don't care that you're, I mean, th that's a thrilling three-hour game. But, like, you know, if it's 9 nothing Texas White Sox, third game, <laughs> you know, they're about to, you know, have a have a, a day game tomorrow, and it's, like, the seventh inning, and a guy can't throw a strike. Like, it's just, it's, that's where I think the, the pace yes. needs to be picked up. Because, yeah, no, I not always, yeah. you know. It's I don't know. It's it is it's tough because it is my favorite game, but there are so many things I hate about it that I would love to just try to make it a little bit better. I, I get the point though, but I think it too. Again, it's 162 compared to 17 or 82 yeah. for yeah. hockey or basketball. No, I get that, and I, and I a lot of the complaints about length of game were happening during the playoffs when games were mm -hmm. too long. They were like four hours long, but. For and me, then I, they, they bump up the commercial length. Too. I was going to say, like, that's yeah. what it was. Right. I don't think it was the game. A lot of a lot of reporters, the older reporters, who for some reason are all former Baltimore Sun people, Ken Rosenthal, <laughs> Buster Olney, um, uh, they were all complaining that baseball is too long, baseball has a length problem. And I'm like, if the average game is three hours in the, during the season and every playoff game is four hours, it's not the game. What's the difference? It's the commercials. Like it's it's that's clearly the problem. But everyone was blaming it on oh baseball's too long. The problem is baseball. I'm like I just I truly don't think that's the issue. But the idea of a pitch clock I think is something I could I could I could get behind that. I I agree. I don't think it takes you thirty seconds to you know find your sign, get set, pitch, 
I think that would do well to kind of move the game well, along. That was also, though, it, that was one of the brilliant things about watching Mark Burley pitch was that he was catch, throw, catch, throw, catch, throw, catch, yeah. throw. Not every pitcher needs to be like that. But it, yeah. I think you'd be lying if you say it doesn't add something to like, and maybe not the competitive element to it, but I don't know. I think there's something on a personal level refreshing about watching teams. You can have like, it doesn't have to be a pitcher's duel for it to go by pretty quickly. You can have... yeah guys going at each other in a way that kind of keeps the action up a little bit. And that kind of, I think also fun helps solve some of the other kind of fundamental problems that people have with baseball when they talk about, Oh, why don't young people like baseball, which is they, they say there's not enough action, which is not true. There's just too much time in between when the action happens. Right. I think so. Yeah, no, yeah, ab- but absolutely. Yeah. I think that's, it's that, I mean, you know, I, I think walks are an interesting part of the game. Like there's a lot of strategy into baseball that I think is important and I'm, I'm fine with the time that it takes to, you know, fully flesh that out. But I do think that just making that clock, I mean, there's, you know, it just, it just, I think basketball was helped by it too. I mean, you know, basketball right, and increased scoring for basketball with the, you know, with yeah. the shot clock. That's what um, I kept so. thinking was the shot clock and like, yeah, battling basketball is hurt by having a, a 24 second shot clock or 30, I guess, in college, um, rather than having no clock. Like, I think I, I, I get that. And I think that that helps. And yeah, I could see that. I could get behind that. Um, all right. We're going to move on now to the more, I guess, random section of the podcast. We're going to start off by asking you about the order of operations trifecta, in which we are going to ask you three things and we want to know the order in which you do those three things so the first if, he, if he's listened before it takes a little of the mystery out of it which is maybe the only the only thing i don't like <laughs> actually knows what's coming on. that's you know what that's okay uh socks or pants first when you get dressed uh i am a socks first mm, are first you second. a wear socks around the house kind of person uh, I don't like to, but I have a, a fun thing called hyperhidrosis, um, which makes my hands and feet ridiculously sweaty. Um, oh, so if I try to even lay next to my girlfriend and let's say like my foot, it touches her uh, like my bare foot. Uh, typically, it's sweaty and that disgusts <laughs> you out, you know, obviously. Uh, so I'm okay. kind of forced to wear socks around the house. OK, I get that. I get that. Mm. So is it like outfit dependent otherwise, though, would you say? Or is there any? I mean, I think I think if I'm going out, if I'm putting shoes on, I've had enough athlete's foot that I don't want more athlete's foot. So I think <laughs> I'm, I'm wearing socks if I'm going out of the house. But, you know, maybe if I'm, you know, I got the apartment to myself, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll wear I'll, I'll, I'll ease off on the socks. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Makes sense. So yep. uh, part two, then, of the order of operations trifecta is <clears throat> milk or cereal what comes first i've listened yeah obviously i've listened and the fact that there is enough people like more than one that have said milk first is is kind of horrifying uh <laughs> it's cereal and it's it's when it starts to to raise up a little bit i mean it's yeah. just it, it's little... and also there was one person i forget who said like milk because then you know you're then pouring cereal into milk if you're having a second bowl I'm drinking the milk. Yeah. Yeah. I'm drinking Jake. the milk. So then I have to re-pour milk. So I'm I'm then going again, cereal and then milk. So yeah. I'm, Who was the second first. person that said milk first, aside from Jake? I think well, Nick Nick had the weird thing where he says he goes like a little like cereal 
like, like a little of one and then the other and then i i don't remember what it was but there's like three parts to it and it is just like not like he's doing a cereal concoction <laughs> like, like a little bit of milk and like that yeah an ounce of exactly. milk. one fourth <laughs> ounce of milk that's <laughs> enough I need let to me get my measurement yeah well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, the wait, last wait, one. I, I think I want to tack, tack on. What's your go-to cereal, though? Ooh. Oh, yeah. Uh, Captain Crunch and Berries. Even though it rips up my teeth. Uh, all berries. No, I'm. I, I I like the mixture. I think they did. You know, I think it's the perfect balance of Captain Crunch. Uh, the red box, it's just too much, you know, it's too much damage to your mm-hmm. teeth. The oops, <laughs> all berries. I mean, it doesn't feel it feels kind of like a gimmick, right? You know, yeah. the peanut butter, not really, but the, I think they really found something with the Captain Crunch and berries. I think, you know, that was a good mix. I, th- I think my favorite ever, like, preseason best shape of their life or, like, you know, getting back <laughs> to shape story was when yeah. um, was when CeCe Sabathia said or somebody said about CeCe Sabathia that he had lost, like, 15 pounds just by, like, not eating Captain Crunch. <laughs> <laughs> he was just housing Captain Crunch at all times. <laughs> Um, which I'm not, I don't remember off the top of my head how true that was, but uh, <laughs> it feels like it would be kind of on brand for CC. All right. Uh, when you brush your teeth, toothpaste or water first, what order does that come in? You, I get, I get the tooth, the toothbrush a little bit wet. You got to get a little bit of a wet, then you put a little bit of the toothpaste. And then I honestly, I kind of like Nick's milk thing. Then I put a little bit more water. To yeah, kinda, yeah, no, like, I get You know, that. get the it kind of sticks down a little <laughs> bit, um, and then I brush yeah. my teeth. So it's it's that. more of water, paste water. <laughs> I get that. I get that. Yeah, I, don't know. Uh, I mean, water after the toothpaste tooth is water. important. It's just after twenty four years of experience, it just seems like that's the right way to go. <laughs> you can make adjustments to life as you go along with those exactly. little things. Right. You know, yeah, you know, maybe that's I'll find a, a different way. <laughs> <laughs> um, as long as you're not going no water that's that's really the key dude, i don't know people who do that to you ben uh do i know people who go no water maybe <laughs> maybe maybe killing, we've had one person on this podcast who did that it's the guy paul mccartney wrote about who's killing people <laughs> with, with hammers maxwell <laughs> yeah see that's the worst that's, part. Like, that's not, the guy that doesn't use water it's not the spree murdering with a hammer and also it has milk before cereal i guess it's so. it's, <laughs> it's the it's the raw dog in it when he brushes his teeth that is <laughs> that's that the is real treat don't yeah. like from that's Max the red Mom. flag <laughs> um, um all right uh so, oh go ahead yep you know so on to the next one uh we did talk a decent amount about baseball, uh, but do you have any other favorite sports or favorite athletes? Um, well, unfor- it's unfortunate now because like Tom Brady was my guy. Uh, like the first ever football game I watched was the Rams game that he won. Uh-huh. Uh, so like I was like, this guy is the coolest quarterback ever because he's the only quarterback I ever know. Uh, new. And then he won like three more Super Bowls. So it was really easy to be a fan of him. And the Bears sucked. Uh, but now it's like, you know, now he's like got TB12 and he's hanging around with Antonio Brown. And it's like huh. mm, he's got the the hat in, in, in his locker uh, back in 2016. No. So it's like, you know, I didn't didn't love my uh, end of uh, my fandom for Tom Brady. So I guess I guess Brady and then uh, I was really big into hockey. Um, and, and I think, Zach, I don't know if what your relationship with the Hawks are, but uh, 
Rocky Works is making a, a mess of himself tonight, and I just, that I organization is, is just I did not, like, right before we we went on air here. It was <laughs> I wondered if you were going to bring it up. Oh my god, it, it's honestly the most pathetic way I've ever seen an owner handle themselves in front of media, especially from a guy that covers them for so long. Like Mark Lazarus has been there for 10 years, I think. And like, this has been a guy that has handled every single situation, wrote many books on your cup winning teams. And you just embarrass, not embarrass them, but like just treat them with no respect at all in front of people. It's just like on on such an important topic. It's just disgusting. (sighs) Yeah. The, uh, it, it, a report was, uh, was not issued that makes it sound like really serious there was an article that was released recently like an hour or two ago where uh rocky Wirtz goes on the record uh the owner of the chicago blackhawks not wanting to talk about kyle beach and uh that entire sexual assault situation which yeah my relationship to the hawks is still weird because i was always i was always kind of a fair weather fan I, I really loved and enjoyed watching them uh during the run and yeah, I imagine it, if you're more of a hockey fan, it must be kind of hard because they just they, they make it they they've made it pretty hard for me to even want to stay following them in recent years between this and like the I would like to it's it's unfortunate. I would like to see the logo change. I, there's a lot of other teams that are probably going to have to go before uh, the kind of pressure necessary builds. Uh, I, I, I really wish that it wasn't kind of such a dumpster fire of an organization because hockey as a sport is really, really, really cool. And I never, they weren't on TV until what, like 2007 or something like that. So I never, right. really, I, I never watched them much growing up until they drafted Kane and Taves and they started going on TV. And I was, that was right around, I think we got our first high def TV around like 2010 or something like that. And, uh, which made a huge difference in terms of being able to like actually follow the puck on, on the screen and stuff like that. And I, I remember kind of falling in love with the sport in a way and being like, this is not something I grew up with, which was not the case with basketball, baseball, football. This is new and this is like really cool and interesting. And I kind of wish that, yeah, I wish they, they be able to, they just weren't, weren't like they are. Yeah. I mean, I was the same way. I was like, I, no one in my family liked hockey at all my mom started watching it with me because she's a saint but like no one in chicago like was a huge hawks fan and then they blew up it was the coolest thing and then like even then like kane had his own uh sexual assault stuff that was just like it it was it's it's a story that like is not even like clear enough for me to even be like able to root for patrick kane so it's like all around, like I can't root for the people on the ice. Not a good dude. Uh, I, I can't root for the, the front office, the, the logo, like you mentioned, like I'm, I'm all for like Chicago hockey team at this point or Chicago, uh, you know, hockey club. Like I'm fine with, with going to that at this point. Um, Cause you know, even if they, they go away from, from the racist logo, they might screw it up and call themselves the Chicago commanders. Good God. <laughs> we have, you know, uh, wait, wait, Sean, have you, have you seen the, um have you seen the uniforms that they dropped? With oh, them? they're ugly. Really? See, oh, I kind of thank you, thank you. I knew I, Ben. Sorry, I man. I know that you like them a little bit, Ben. But uh, I, I think yeah. the, the black burgundy and gold uniform looks kind of cool. I realize, I realize they, I realize they look like, you know, the Arizona State basketball jerseys. The, yeah, the freshest yeah. team in the SEC. <laughs> but still, I don't know. See, here's my thing with the Commanders' name. Since we brought it up, I was having this conversation tonight with some people. It's really not that bad of a name. Like, it is no dumber than the Washington Wizards. We're just used to it. Like, 
if it was 1997 and we found out the Washington Bullets were changing to the Washington Wizards and they had that stupid little wizard, blue wizard logo, everybody would be losing their minds. We're just used to it. Shoot, I remember when the Nationals was the name first announced for the baseball team. Everyone was just like, the Nationals? Lame. Look, I mean, honestly, no disrespect. Your team's named after Sox. Like, it, we're, we just get used to it. We it just was the 1900s. Yeah, I know. And there's a team. And it's with that an plays, It's different. It's, <laughs> there's it's a team that plays yeah. basketball. Also, your team is named after standard Sox. <laughs> <laughs> like, red Sox. I get it. Most Sox aren't red. All the Sox are white. But it's okay. We and there were stockings at first, it. to be clear. We get used to it. There's a team in New York who are called the Metropolitans. It's like, what do you want to call the team? I don't know, the city? Sure, whatever. <laughs> There's also a New York basketball team called the Knickerbockers. Like we just we just get yeah. used to dumb names and that's okay. That's fine. We'll it get used to like, the commanders and we won't yeah. care in five years. It's like the it's the Nike Coles Flyknit jersey though. Like that's the thing that really eats me. Because like <laughs> the jerseys were fine. You could have kept the Washington football team jerseys and those yeah. would have been fine. I thought Red Hogs was like I'm I, I kind of like NFL history and like Red yeah. Hogs at least just with what with the team. I thought it made sense too. And you kind of at least yeah. you know I'm I, I thought Red Hogs was it made sense. I agree. I agree. I I, I kind of preferred would have preferred that. I'm not a Washington fan, but growing up uh, and currently living in the D.C. area, they've kind of always been my number two team behind the Ravens, just because you know, as have the Nationals behind the Orioles, because they're in a different league, and I have no reason to root against them. Um, I understand that you know there is sort of an intercity rivalry between the White Sox and the Cubs, and I get that. That sort of rivalry does not really exist for the Nats and Orioles or the Ravens and the Commanders. Um, but <laughs> I did kind of, I did kind of dig the Washington football team thing. Like everyone That's... like ragged on it at first, but after a while, it I really think they cool. should have stuck with it, man. I really think there was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so here's the thing, though. When football team have, came but... out, everyone ragged on. I mean, everyone was dunking on the Washington football team all over Twitter for like a month. Oh, the football team. Let's go football team. All the people singing hail to the football team. They, everyone <laughs> thought they were hilarious. and That's fine. It was goofy at first. But then we got used to it. Four years from now, we will be so used to the commanders. I, I, the thing is, though, I think there's something. The commanders is kind of trying to do something in a way mm -hmm. that kind of makes it seem weirdly corny in a way. Like, then when you had the football team and you paired it with the like having like putting the numbers on the helmets like it's the 19 yeah. whatever's again you know with keeping the color scheme i i really thought and i mean i don't know almost some kind of i don't i don't want to say it felt like it had a kind of penitent tone to it almost but given the context it almost felt a little appropriate to be like no you don't get to have a name anymore like <laughs> you're just the football team now dan yeah. snyder is horrible and you do you lost I, your team name i like, know i know we will get but, used to it after a while well, we won't care we have a baseball team called the angels angels like, that has always bothered the shit out of me. Uh, the the <laughs> Los Angeles, Angeles Dodgers of dodging those streetcars. Yeah. 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 Oh, how about the Los Angeles Lakers? You Lakers. Know, Los yeah. Angeles, Menacing known Miami. for its lakes, or Utah, quite known for its jazz. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> like, probably the best one. 
<laughs> I know. New Orleans um, Jazz made so much sense. Oh, it was great. It <laughs> the was Minnesota like such Lakers. Cool colors. Oh, made so much sense. And then they move and like, come on, change the name. <laughs> well, the co- Los Angeles Lakers. Commanders is a tough team. Like, because you look at that division, like Eagles, Cowboys, Giants. Like, those are very classic, strong names. So I understand being like Commanders. It's like very like yeah. It's it's very strong at least. You know. I know if the Washington Capitals name got announced today, everyone would be like, DC, lame. We'll get used to it. Um, anyways, let, I want to move on to the next question. Do you have a favorite and or least favorite baseball movie? Um, my favorite one is probably Sandlot. I'm in that, you know, I, I was born in 97. So, like, I was, that was, like, the peak movie I was watching for the first seven yeah. years of my life. So I understand people don't like it, but also like what I was three. Sorry. Like they were playing baseball <laughs> nope. and having funs with their fun with their friends. So I think that is perfectly fine. What I've said <laughs> on this podcast many times is that is a good movie for kids. It's when adults continue to say, no, it's not just a great kids movie. It's a great film. Like yeah. overall, one of the greatest sports films of all time. It's because people start looking at it with these rose-colored nostalgia glasses, and they start thinking like, "Yeah, I loved it when I was a kid. Therefore, it's a great movie." And I'm like, "Okay, fine. I'm I'm happy it makes you happy." But I don't I know. It, I, I think it yeah. also captures at least baseball's essence in a very mm-hmm. childish way, which is you know honestly the most important thing I think. Because like I don't I don't care about the cinematography of of Sandlot honestly like you know no one's gonna be there's no like sim, cinephile uh, Twitter account, no like no, sharing know, like know. you know <laughs> no absolutely so like I think like it's 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 such a I think baseball's so nostalgic so that that's why I think it it's an easy one for me and then Field of Dreams is like the complete opposite like I have no nostalgia for that First, huh, movie. thank you that movie sucks I hated Iowa when I went there it was boring the movie's boring all those guys are dead and Kevin Costner eh, he's like the same guy in most movies you know, which is like all all actors and it's very difficult to be an actor and actress but like Kevin Costner is always Kevin Costner it is so interesting this um this like hate for field of dreams that I've been seeing lately kind of out of nowhere. Like it's not the best movie. I <laughs> I'm not saying it's my favorite baseball movie. It's it's not. But I don't know. I We just ran uh, we just ran the best a best baseball movie tournament yeah. at Southside Sox and uh Field of Dreams won won the entire thing in a pretty heated final, but that might have been the source of because it was drawn up. Who did it go up against? From, uh, Major League, which my personal favorite, but I I love Major League too. See, but I it's the funniest one I, for sure. Yeah, it's corny. It's so corny. It's like, goofy, but it's the, too the high. Best, the best part about Major League for me <laughs> is that it knows how to play on the suspense that makes baseball beautiful like the whole final game uh at the end of the movie they draw it out in a, in a great way they make it suspenseful and and interesting and engaging which is you know they could have easily not done that but i i do love the movie but on field of dreams like here here's my pitch for field of dreams i think while obviously the movie is mostly about baseball 
it's I think it's a really nice film about growing up and and really one of my favorite themes that films deal with is the these this idea of of recognizing as you grow up that your parents are not these monoliths that are the, the not these perfect people but they're just people flawed people who are trying their hardest and and really might not know what they're doing when it comes to raising kids right surprise and, they might be you right it's <laughs> because i think when when you're a kid oftentimes your your parents are seen as as these these towering giant beings they're your parents like it, it's 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 hard to better, though sure oh for sure there are um I see the value you're getting out of it there though for sure like, but i think i think that. <laughs> the character of ray kinsella learns that lesson during the movie and you know it's just i don't know part of it also you know i grew up in a very big baseball family i have a lot of memories of playing catch with my dad and playing catch with my brother you catch and playing catch not having a catch but playing catch and you know the movie just when i watch it it kind of makes me think about that bond that baseball can have as a way of bringing family members together there's um oh god i wish i could remember who said it but i heard somebody say once that um oh no this is that's right this is from new girl from new girl one of the characters in new girl he says guys watch sports a wise so man once said yeah nick from new girl says guys watch sports so we don't have to talk about emotional stuff and that's kind of weirdly true in a way like that i i've never for from my experience my family has never been one that's very good at communicating um, emotions. And we've always just had this bond of baseball and, and not just watching baseball, but, but playing baseball. And there weren't too many ways that I could, you know, organically as a teenager have like one-on-one time with my dad that, that didn't feel awkward. But one of the ways I could do that was by playing catch with them. And we would just sit out front and we would just play catch together and so, you know, I kind of, it's, it's hard for me not to think of all that and reference all that in my head and feel all of that while watching Field of Dreams, because it does touch on a lot of those themes. Um, I will say the plot of the movie makes no sense at all, <laughs> whatsoever, like mechanically, it's really bizarre. <laughs> yeah, one of the things I remember it from, uh, uh, working at six seven of the score, we uh, when we go to our first break, we have these CBS Sports minutes, and it's like a minute of like you know Jim Rome or one of the guys was John Feinstein, and John Feinstein Jim was like, Rome. <laughs> "Welcome to the jungle." Welcome. <laughs> and John Feinstein uh, is it's right when the field of games, a uh, field of dreams game was announced, uh, so like pre COVID twenty nineteen or whatever, and uh, he's like, you know. If you don't cry during Field of Dreams, then, you know, you don't understand baseball. And my wife looked over to me during that movie and she said, I'm going to divorce you if you cry during that movie. Um, and it, and he's like, and I don't know, whatever man doesn't cry at uh, let's have a ch- uh, catch, dad. And then he's like, and my wife, she did later divorce me. Um, so it's like, and he's like, I'm John Feinstein. This is CBS Sports. And it's like, OK, <laughs> like it can also tear people apart is, is what i've learned yes no it's it's definitely uh, 
I definitely get the the complaints about the movie. I just I will I, I want to follow up on that. Yeah, in, <laughs> I, I do want to say though that I've just thought that I think the two of the things in particular that the Sandlot and Major League do have in common is that that I think kind of juxtaposes well with Field of Dreams and some of my other like beefs with baseball movies in general is that most baseball movies kind of need to go out of their way to contrive some sort of drama. Uh, mm. The plots I, I find like, I kind of feel the same way about bull Durham too. There's a lot of like, you know, a lot of, I don't like a lot of baseball movies that are trying to be serious. Honestly, I feel like a lot of it sometimes feels contrived. Whereas what I like about major league and in the children's sense, the Sandlot is that there are characters in ways that you don't mm. get. There's a broad array of characters that I don't think you can get in a lot of other baseball movies and they're character driven stories in ways that, um, I don't necessarily think baseball movies mostly are, but that's like, and I, I just, I think of that because what you said there was so poignant. And I think part of the reason though, that I do love both the Sandlot and major league is because it makes me think of like playing baseball and being a head teenager, you know, like almost coming from the opposite direction, you know, building off that. I mean, like, I think what, what I love too about baseball are the characters. I mean, it's like why yeah. we can do remember some guys, why you remember Esteban Loiza's overhand delivery, <laughs> why I'm trying El Duque's uh, stance. I mean, like mm-hmm. that is baseball. I mean, it's, it's, it's such a game that it can be replicable, you know, whether in Cleveland or whether in, you know, Boulder or, you know, Durham, North Carolina, or wherever the first Sandlot takes place, like you know, uh, the weirdly enough, what Sandlot makes takes place in like California? Southern California, yeah. and they're obsessed with Babe Ruth, even though it takes place a couple years after the Dodgers showed up. <laughs> makes no sense. Um, but <laughs> no, I, I though I will push Zach. I think Bull Durham is very character driven. I think that is like the whole point I think of Bull Zach's Durham. point. Though is like it's kind of it's kind of heavy handed. I think with the characters the char- maybe. The characters are more archetypes, I would say. Like, there's only like Ricky Vaughn, okay. Ricky Vaughn, like Ricky Vaughn, Pedro Serrano, those guys, like those characters, Benny the Jet Rodriguez, you know, those are names from baseball movies that you really, really remember, I think, that are kind of irreplic- irreplicable. And sure. like with, oh, yeah, I think sure, you have such that. a stronger cast of characters and like Sandlot because you have the nine guys and then uh, uh, Major League, obviously. I mean, there's so many guys that make up that team where like Bull Durham is truly like Susan Sarandon. Nuclelouch and and crash i mean like you know they're yeah uh, what's his face uh raw i can't think of the bench coach like he's great in it like yes. some of the, the that actors are like really great in it but i think that what major league and sandlot does is kind of capture the essence of the characters and then also like kind of the arc arc of a season too you know i mean obviously you know sandlot ca- encapsulates the summer major mm-hmm. league capture it and captures that run from start to beginning same reason why i like moneyball too is you know it tells you yeah. that story of all those characters you meet i would i would agree on on what you said on bull durham though i will say there are some smaller characters in that movie that i think are really beautifully written uh one of my favorites is um what's it An- uh, not annie that's um susan's right millie the the uh blonde woman who ends mm-hmm. up marrying the super religious guy or whatever Right. There's um there's this heartbreaking scene where she's about to get married and she's like trying on her wedding dress and she's like wondering uh she's like getting her wedding gown on and talking I think she's talking to Annie and wondering like if she's even worth you know getting being married if she's worth love at all. 
and it's just this tiny little scene with a with a relatively small character who is is framed as kind of this like you know i guess almost like a baseball groupie and then you get to see her like you see this vulnerability in her in this one little scene um it's just it's it's my favorite baseball movie and it's uh because of the writing i think i i I love the writing in it but um i can understand people not liking it as much i but, mean the, the pitching the the, the uh mountain visit is like great writing oh my god like, oh, well, i don't the know best. what to get for their writing the best it's why when <laughs> i ask every baseball player I, every pitcher i will ever talk to i'm gonna ask what's the dumbest thing you ever talked about on the mound because <laughs> i guarantee they've talked about some dumb stuff on the mound. i think uh Grenke, zach Granky would ask about like fantasy football or something like yeah, that yeah, yeah. <laughs> really exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. That's uh, a great one. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't didn't mean to turn that into the, the Don Ben's baseball movies hour. Right no, 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 no. I <laughs> but, uh, totally cool. Totally I, cool. And I the beauty of movies is we can all have different feelings on them. That yeah, is true. Fine. Um. So I wanted to follow up on something you just said a minute ago about the score and kind of merge this with a question that we usually ask a little um later on, which is just to tell us a story about a time in which you laughed really, really, really hard. Uh, but I want to modify that slightly and ask what the funniest thing you ever saw live on air was. Oh, that's a score. Thank you. I, I was about to like go through all the things that were funny in my life and that would <laughs> would be impossible. Um, that is the easiest thing that someone has ever asked me. Um, it was right around like the start of the year. I think it was like January 4th. Um, and that was usually when people are taking vacations and stuff. So I was filling in on like the afternoon show and was like really important, you know, like I was, I was going to be the sound guy filling in for Chris Tannehill. Who's like, you know, the, the, uh, in in town uh, when it comes to that job. So it was like really nerve wracking. Uh, so, you know, I show up there at 11 o'clock and I immediately walk in and everyone's looking out the window and from our studio or from their studio, you know, tear. Uh, <laughs> RIP uh, from their studio in the like actual studio with the board, the main board where, you know, we're running all the sound out of there's a direct view to a, a vacant lot. And in the middle of the vacant lot is a guy laying face down. And I mean like motionless face down into the dirt. And we're like, okay, that, that's a dead, that's a dead body. He has not moved. It's been five minutes. We're, we're sending uh, our Shane, our coworker, down to go look and see if it's a dead body oh my God. and everyone like everyone on air is like there is a dead body right there and we're like seeing the 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 fire department from the the top of uh wacker drive go to the second part of, of wacker drive realizing that they have to go to, all the way to the bottom of wacker drive and then like right when the they get to the bottom they have their sirens on and they see them and they're like, uh, or they can't see them and they're, they turn around. So they kind of leave them out again. And we think his sirens woke him up and he stands up, just popped straight up. And we're like, oh we don't even God. know how he got in. Like there's fences all around and you just see him walk straight towards the fence. He slips out and turns around this corner and he's gone. And it's like 15 minutes of content. Or of of live content where this guy we think he's dead he rises vanishes never to be seen again oh and then God. that turned into an hour of continuous content after talking about not dead guy because he was dead and now he's not dead hence not dead clearly guy. clearly he is was jesus christ himself <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> he was Remember dead he was back. buried for 15 minutes 
that yeah. those that was his forty days in the desert. On the was 16th, five, on the five, minute. five minutes in that vacant lot. In the on the sixteenth minute, he rose again. Years, huh? <laughs> oh my god, that's crazy to sit there and think like this guy's dead, and then he just. It's a pretty busy part out. of town, too. Right. It's like. <laughs> And people, we we see them, and we're calling, and with them, like we're sending people down, and then people that are there, like, oh yeah, there is somebody down there. And then that gets people going, and then other people call, yeah, and then a, like you could just see all the cops, like you know, like being like, where the hell is this guy? Like everyone's like, there's a dead guy. How can you yeah. not see him? I I think I actually saw somebody die during a radio event actually once. Uh, I was. So I worked for uh, this local Baltimore radio station called Ninety Eight Rock. And just to give you an idea of what 98 Rock is like, they host the Ravens games and they, uh, you know, blast three days grace. Uh, and, you know, so, you know, that kind of a place. And they were like a sick radio station. Yeah. <laughs> 98 Rock. Um, all the heavy stuff for your cool friends. Um, <laughs> and I, one of the first events I did, I was in promotions and I had to do this event called Cougar Hunt. And Cougar Hunt was what you think it is. It was an event at a really gross bar called Bamboo Bernie's. And it was a beauty competition for uh, women in their 40s and 50s. And it was just super gross. So, But I show up at this <laughs> bar, super gross. It was really awful. And it was a, a panel of men judging all the women, like giving them scores it was awful. One of the sports guys is like, she's a grandmother. I'm not interested. And like zero. I mean, it was so, so awful. Radio. But, <laughs> but we show up and we're getting ready to start this thing. And I see a guy leave his table, go to the bathroom, comes back from the bathroom, sits down, boom, head on the table, just boom, out gone we had to call an ambulance ambulance comes in puts a guy on the stretcher and he's just i mean just cold Ew. out i am 99 percent certain that man overdosed on heroin in the bathroom i like just that's the kind of area we were in and that's just the way it happened he comes back and then just out cold on the table he gets carted out an ambulance this is literally 10 minutes into me showing up at this event and i'm like what is happening like <laughs> why is this happening it cougar was watch sponsored cougar by hunt. heineken cougar, cougar hunt. hunt cougar hunt yeah this was that's you brutal could not think of a many worse places to go <laughs> <laughs> at bamboo burning right before cougar hunt <laughs> That's that's, that's where I, I need a shower after that story, man. <laughs> Dude, I had to I had to cross. There was a point where like someone was like, "Hey, you need to go tell so and so something," and they were across the dance floor. I'm like, "Okay, I'll go tell them." And as soon as I say that, I turn and Low comes on, and of course, by Timberland? I mean every mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. shorty got Low, <laughs> apple bottom jeans, boots with the fur, the whole the thing. Bar. And it's literally like I say, like, okay, I'll go tell him. And I'm like, son of a. <laughs> and of course, everyone's on the dance floor and they're all like grinding on each other and trying to get low. And I have to cross <laughs> this dance floor. And I was like, oh, I, I felt so gross. <laughs> it was what an event, man. I was voluntold to do it too. I did not want to do it. That's and perfect. Very little point in my 
that story did i have any idea what you were going to say next <laughs> <laughs> that was a weird job man that was i i'll tell you more stories from that another time that was a wild thing um, um we, we should before we go any further people with promotion Ooh. jobs those are Dude. that's a lot of high traffic just people all day <laughs> yes yes yeah before was, before we move yeah. on to the next thing um yeah. we are almost one hour and 40 minutes into recording oh we, dude have not yet taken the ad break that we were supposed Thank to take you. roughly oh, 40 minutes goodness. ago. <laughs> so um, I, know, I guess right? we'll Thank just, you. we'll just, yeah, uh, cut, cut me we'll through here. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show and we're back. Cool. Um, there we go. Buy, buy the Great product. Ad Do it. Um, okay. Um, thank you for reminding me of that because otherwise you would have had look to Look at me remembering to do something for once. Yeah, man. You would have had to find a real weird, awkward place to slide that in. Um, <laughs> phrasing. Uh, anyways, uh, we're going to move on to... Uh, I want to actually... So I want to ask one more question before we get to the full count which is the last section. Have you ever in your life seen a ghost? I don't think I have, because I'm not trying to put myself into situations <laughs> to see said ghost. Now, yeah, I don't know if I've seen a ghost, but I think I've been around a ghost. Um, and I don't know, not like, a, not like a spooky way, but I think like anytime I turn the lights off, I, I feel a presence, you know, I don't know if that's anything real, but it's always like there is something in that corner. And if I don't get up the stairs, I'm done for. So I don't oh. I don't think I've ever felt a ghost, but I just I, I, I just get too many bad vibes where I think I, I, I at least respect them because, you know, I don't know what's out there. So I, yeah. I don't I don't have a cool ghost story. I actively try to avoid them. Like, you know, I don't about, Jack you. knows about Bachelor's Grove. Like all my friends are like, let's go to Bachelor's Grove. First that. I'm not welcoming that. Tell, in. tell me about Bachelor's Grove. What is that? A Bachelor's Grove, Ben, is a cemetery where people are buried and they are dead. And people like to go into that place, uh, you know, past like 7 p.m. when it's dark and <laughs> like ghosts are active. Uh, so it's it's like one of the more active spots in the southwest side of chicago so like yeah. people like to to sneak in there and drink and then you know see that's ghosts. there's there's an abandoned um insane asylum not too far from me no um not i mean it's within like you know 30 to 40 minute driving distance from me and that's a popular 
place in our area for like that was especially in high school it was like oh you want to go check out the insane asylum and like it's this it's it's an old abandoned insane asylum so of course it's entirely creepy and but people like to go there and that was one thing where i was like nope i will never go there no thank you just ever asking for bad i've i've seen i don't what was that movie with david caruso where he's like part of a cleaning uh team that goes to an abandoned insane asylum and like, there's some bad juju that happens there. It's a good horror movie. Oh, I wish I remember. Mm-hmm. That. No. Uh, session nine. Session nine. Session nine. Is that it? That might be know. it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, if it's David Caruso, he didn't do a whole lot of. <laughs> session nine is an American psychological horror film directed yep. by Brad Anderson. Uh, yeah, the yeah, stars... they're, yeah. They're in an asbestos cleaning. Yeah, no relation. Asbestos abatement crew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what, so they so basically they're hired to like, hey, we're gonna like reopen this uh, hospital or something like that. Can you just clean it out? And so they go in there and they spend a few days cleaning, and like some like bad stuff happens, and it's a good, good horror movie. But Caruso's I, the CSI guy, right? Yeah, he's the he's the redhead. Oh, uh, oh, okay. CSI guy who like always puts on his glasses and says yeah. some pun. Yeah, yeah, that's him. <laughs> CSI Miami. Um, I yeah, do like that, what you what you said though does align with what um what I think my our favorite my favorite ghost story we got on this pod was from Alan Adair who had a very very long yeah. um and very very logical uh story explanation whatever that basically boils down to uh if you are open to seeing ghosts ghosts will make themselves visible to you you know yeah. you will see ghosts if you want to see ghosts and you are walking the fine line of acknowledging their existence, but also taking the initiative to be like, no, I respect that, I but just, yep. nope, I'm not, I'm not for me, not for me. And it, what would I do? You know, like what the first, that's what I scares do. me too. I can believe that they're there, but like, yeah, I'm, I, I, I don't want to be put on the spot like that. Like, plus, I, I like, wish them the best. I hope they make it to wherever they're going on their journey, but I have, I have too much on my plate. Like I, I like 24 hours <laughs> seems like not an actual amount of time that I have in a day. So then now you're adding like, Oh, you're going to deal with a ghost. Like I, <laughs> I got stuff I got to do. And I, I got to deal with a ghost. I have a girlfriend. I have, you know, I'm figuring out a job situation right now. And you're now you're going to throw a ghost on this. this is I'm, just... I'm trying to know fewer people, you know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm just imagining like seeing a ghost. Like, look, I'm sorry. I don't have time. I'm sorry. <laughs> It's like this scary, like <laughs> horribly disfigured oh, oh, oh. ghost. That's like read, read the room, read the room, guy. <laughs> it's like carrying an axe or whatever, and it's missing its head. You're like, like I, I'm like, sorry, that. I just Thanks, do not have time. Just please, can you come back later? Next week is way better like, for me. Like, yeah, just give me a give me a few weeks. I can't. I just can't. <laughs> I live oh here. Yeah, I'll be around. I'll be around. <laughs> that's that's like that's like the like millennials in their late twenties, early thirties, like dealing with their jobs and everything. And they see it goes like, I just can't do this right now. <laughs> is this please. what adulting is? I can't. Um, oh my God. We just All wrote right, a Super uh, Bowl commercial. <laughs> there you go. Uh, we just got to figure out what it's advertising. Um, All right, I would like to, we're going to move on now to the full count. Where we're going to ask you for a recommendation in each of five categories. Uh, I always preface this by saying the recommendations do not have to be like super special or obscure or anything. If you want it to be obscure, great. If you want it to be something obvious or commonly recommended or whatever, that's fine too. We just want your 
personal recommendations. So with that in mind, first category is books. What is a book that you would recommend? Hmm. Uh, I'm actually not a huge book guy. Uh, I, I think that's something that has always been my New Year's resolution and that <laughs> I've always never done it. Uh, so Comics and graphic novels can also be included if that's more your speed. Yeah. No, just any anything with pages is really difficult for <laughs> me. Pages and words, man. Uh, you did go into radio, so. I did go into radio <laughs> for a reason. Uh, I, I did like uh, Joe Poznarski's uh, Top 100 Players. I just, I always like stuff like that, where it's you know, kind of a coffee table book where, yeah. you know, I, you could pick through it and you don't have to get too upset at it. Uh, so I like that. It's always, <laughs> you know, good information and, and there's some good stories that he wrote, uh, wrote about that. So I'd, I'd throw that out there. Yeah, that's a good one. That is a good one. Okay, so number two on the full count is food. And that can be a recommended restaurant, a dish, a ingredient, you know, anything vaguely culinary applies. So go crazy. Hmm. That's tough. Um, I'm not a huge cook. Uh, I've recently figured out how to make boxed mac and cheese. Uh, there's a, a recipe on actually. I, I, well, here I'll just do that. Yeah, there's a recipe on on Twitter I link from uh, everything in the notes. So you know, I'll... <laughs> it's uh, from Brian Floyd, and uh, he uh, you, you take the box of mac and cheese, you put it in a cup of milk, a cup of water, and then you know two three pads of butter, and then you just put the top of the the lid on there, and then you just mix it up. And then at some point it will turn into mac and cheese and basically about 10 minutes. And, you know, you put it like medium low about and you'll have mac and cheese made normally if you follow the actual directions, too. But this one way this easier without without boiling the noodles. Uh, yeah, I don't I've boiled them before like and they turned boil out them first. All right. Um, no. Yeah. You just put it all together and just kind of heat it up. I don't know. It Interesting. Just, it just With, so it a works. cup of water is enough to soften the noodles. It just a cup of milk, yeah, and you have the milk too, yeah, and other things that are. No, that makes sense actually. Yeah, it's all soften. Mm. Have you had? Are you aware of the existence of the 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 flaming hot slash jalapeno Cheetos mac and cheese? Yeah, <laughs> oh I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't try to screw with that stuff. Like <laughs> with, like with uh, major melon, like Mountain Dew, like you know. Oh I, no, I, that sounds terrible. Yeah, it's when it, when they try to get too not like cute the Cheetos stuff, mac and cheese sounds good. I it was not good to be clear. No, it, I will vouch for that, but sorry, continue. They have the jalapeno cheddar Cheetos, which are better than flaming hots, in my opinion. I like they have a it's a more natural heat, which I like. I feel that. Um, so if maybe if it was the jalapeno cheddar mac and cheese, I'd be down to try the Cheeto mac and cheese. Mm. But like the specialty stuff usually doesn't get it for me. Interesting, huh? I yeah. Box mac and cheese, man. I grew up on that stuff, and I I still love it every now and then to this day. Even though uh, they, they have I... all kinds of Cheeto mac and cheese at the Fair Play in Little Village, so there you go. That's <laughs> it's it's real easy to make, and that's all I need is is something easy to make because I am bad with cooking, dude. I I clearly remember as a kid, I loved box mac and cheese. I would eat it frequently, and my grandmother, who was like a Good cook and a and a farmer. She like she grew up on a farm, was a farmer all her life. She would be making the craft mac and cheese, and she would be so angry while she was making it because she's like, "I gotta make this fake crap. This is not mac and cheese." I mean, she was literally every time I she's babysitting me, she's grumbling to herself like, "You gotta try real mac and cheese sometime. I'll make you real mac and cheese." I'm like, "I just like this one, Grandma." <laughs> 
no box mac and cheese is great um yeah you need to bust out the like the, the spongebob squares for grandma mm. like the, the spongebob <laughs> characters for mm-hmm. grandma she would have fun with those yeah <laughs> oh uh character mac and cheese better than noodle mac and cheese absolutely for sure it does taste different and it's better um <laughs> movies and or tv what is a movie or and or tv show that you would recommend all right I've been I've been into movies a little bit more recently. I would say that my favorite movie is probably Die Hard, and you can watch it. It's great. Whether it came out in July, and you can watch it as a summer block blockbuster. You could watch it in December. You could watch it whenever you want. It's a great movie. It takes place during Christmas. I like it as a Christmas movie. I like it as a summer movie. I just like that movie, and I think that. You know, if you're if you're worried about the discussion, but you've never seen it, it is a very much turn your brain off for an hour and twenty whatever, and it is it'll, it'll take you through the journey. It's it's I, I love that movie. And then TV show, yeah. I would recommend the Deadliest Catch. Um, I wasn't uh, oh. into it when it was around. Uh, I was too young to get into the Deadliest Catch, uh, but now I got Discovery Plus, and I watched six seasons of the Deadliest Catch, and it is fantastic. Really interesting. Yeah. That was one of those shows that was like always on, but I was like, eh. Yeah, that was, there was a whole genre of like Discovery Channel shows that I would watch like with my dad, like in his basement workshop when I was like 10 or 11. It was like them and Ice Road Truckers. Ice Road Truckers, yeah. Um, what was the dude with the dirtiest jobs? That guy, Mike Rowe. Mike Rowe Rowe is the narrator of Deadliest Catch. So, if you like, right, right, it is all like Mike Rowe and Dirty Jobs, you'll also like Baltimore. Great, Baltimore, great, Mike Rowe. Shout out, yeah, he's a he's a it all comes together. Okay, um, so yeah, that's that's a good one. one. Yeah, so uh, recommendation number four, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but if you had to pick one, give us a music recommendation. Ooh, um, okay. Uh, I, I, I've always had like a. a Sorry, it could be like an artist or an album or like a song or like anything. Hmm. No parameters there. Um. All right. So I've always had a tough time with music. Like I, I, I tried doing a thing where I made like a month playlist every uh, month, and I got got out of it. It doesn't have to be like. It's always good when you stall. Um. I know it doesn't have to be good or it doesn't have to be like, you know, a niche one, but it's just like it, it, music is so... this first thing that pops in your head. Yeah. And honestly, it's OK if it's Springsteen or something else, you know, <laughs> um, I like the Faye Webster album. Uh, she wrote a, a song about uh, Ronald Acuna. Uh, so baseball fans will at least like that. But it, it's kind of, oh, you know, hilarious. dream bedroom poppy. That one was good. I haven't heard that. What's the song specifically? <laughs> um... I know I'm funny. Haha is probably the best song off that one, but the one yeah. that she wrote was uh, a dream with a baseball player. That one's about Acuna. Yeah, Uh-oh. it's. Uh, I know I'm funny. Haha was pretty. It was, that's the name of the album too. Mm-hmm. And okay. yeah, it's a good album. That's solid. I, I liked it. Yeah, it was. I mean, I just haven't listened to a ton, so it's like no, no, it no, was, it was good, good. You know, sleepy, sleepy yeah, album. No, that's that's. I mean, music is about mood more than anything else. Like my like or dislike of a song or album or artist is almost like at any given moment is almost entirely dictated by like what I'm looking for when I'm listening to music. And my mental case ass changes that about 
five minutes or so. So, <laughs> yeah, I have a horrible like I'll listen to a song for about a minute 20 and then I'll skip it. Yeah. Um, and I also have a horrible ability to pick up lyrics. Uh, like my girlfriend is very good. Like she'll listen to a song three times and she, she'll know the entire song. And I will listen to a song like 120 times and won't be able to tell you a single lyric. I am just horrible yeah. at picking out words whenever yeah. they're being thrown at me. I can like get that. that. I can get that. I'm a, I've always been a music first guy. I'm, that's always what I've always picked it's out. It's a good vibe. Yeah. It's, I think it's, people's brains are just wired differently when they listen to music. Um, I, that's a sp- I have had that very specific feeling though of looking at someone and being like, "How did you like? How do you know all of these words? Right? Where did this come from?" <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And, I, and whenever I try to learn a song too, it's like I'll pick out the REM song, like if it's the end of the world mm-hmm. as we know it. Like I'll pick the hardest <laughs> song to first learn uh, instead There's of always, picking, like, the easy one. There was always that one guy at a party who knew it, who knew the whole like the fast part. Um, like my guy. <laughs> uh, all right. The last recommendation miscellaneous. <laughs> this can be anything from your life that you would recommend. This can be a, uh, experience, uh, a, a, an idea, a person, a place, a thing, a gadget, whatever you want. And what I always tell people is the first thing that pops in your head, no matter what, how dumb you might think it is or whatever, that's what I want to hear. So, Whatever the first thing that pops in your head, miscellaneous, anything from your life that you would recommend. I recommend playing uh, an obscene amount of Madden. Uh, if you yeah. hate Madden, uh, just play it. There's only one NFL game that is, uh, is that is licensed, um, and I like to just be a complete nihilist and uh, a person who loves pain. Uh, whatever I can't can't think of the uh, the, the, the term. Uh, a uh, yes i'm a masochist and a nihilist uh, uh there there is no reason why madden will ever get better uh so i will just play it into the ground um and and the buffalo bills now the brooklyn bills are the greatest dynasty of all time <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> that's, the uh, brooklyn notoriously spacious brooklyn Yes. Prime real estate for a football stadium. <laughs> we built it. We'll be, we built a cathedral, an 80,000 80, seat cathedral in the middle of Brooklyn for the Bills of all first teams to play. <laughs> yeah, that I, I like to play Madden. Um, that's as good a minute. It's that's I'm RIP, good. I'm RIP 2K, like NFL 2K Dude. games, though. Those are the best. We could do that with like, I mean, RIP college football games, 2006 uh, NCAA football has the greatest soundtrack of all time. I guess I would recommend that would be my other music recommendation is the 2006 NCAA football uh, soundtrack. Oh, that was a good soundtrack. Killer. Um, But like that MVP baseball, 2005, 2K5, NFL, like, I mean, there's so many NBA live, like 2003, like there's so many good ones. Oh, yeah. Um, that's well, well, Hey, that is a great way to end things. Sean, thank you so much for joining us oh, God, on the podcast. Thank you guys. Uh, what, what just happened? The Hawks just started let up like three goals in the last oh. two goals in the last four minutes and now trail five to zero interrupted oh. by live sports. It's a shack and flesh tradition. Um, but anyway, Sean, thank you so much for joining us. Yes. On the podcast. It's wonderful Thanks. to have you. Uh, yeah, it was fun. It was fun having you.
thank you guys. I appreciate it. Good, good, good meeting.